watching the first season of Yellow Jackets again is making me like bummed. Bummed that the second season was just so off because the first, this first, the second episode, the first and the second episode, oh my God, I'm in heaven. I'm watching it like, God, no freaking wonder this show took off. But again, I know I'm a broken record. If they don't have a plan and they get picked up for multiple seasons, imagine being those writers who were like, okay, um, we were kind of thinking it would be done next season. So, because this past season feels like they just maybe set stuff up for next season. Am I reaching? I feel like I'm reaching. I feel like I'm giving them a lot of credit by saying that because yeah, no, okay. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna get into it. I'm just gonna get into these recaps here. But before I do, thank you to all of you who are already subscribed to the pod, leaving nice reviews. If you are listening to this episode on the She Speaks Bravo feed, know please that this is a different podcast she speaks at all and i'm trying to give it some love it's still a baby it needs a lot of pampering so if you could subscribe to that one and also leave a review maybe leave a little five star review that would be wonderful because when they're when the podcasts are new they're like little babies that can't walk yet and hopefully i i'm still obviously figuring things out so i just again i'm so grateful to those of you who are listening and coming over here and um, giving these, giving this content a chance. Okay, so let's get into, I'm going to start with Yellow Jackets because I'm jazzed off the second episode. We pick up on the plane crash and as the plane is going down, we get this flashback to 1992 where Misty gets this like shitty phone call from these giggling bitches and they're like, Robbie Delgado is telling everyone that he did anal with you in the janitor's closet. And they're just mean. They're just mean to her. You're too ugly to even find someone to do anal with you. Ugh. And then and then Misty's character quotes Plato. And they're like, here's the fucking weird. And they just hang up on her. So when Misty wakes up, we got this context. And it's going to be such a nice, not nice. I mean, it's tragic. The The circle back we get where she destroys the freaking transmitter. She destroys the fucking transmitter because she's excited that they all feel like they're connected and hanging out with her and she never feels that and that's all she ever wants to feel. So she freaking destroys the transmitter. But anyway, I'm I'm jumping way ahead. Misty wakes up after the crash and it is chaos we see someone who's been stabbed through their heart through their chest with like a piece of the plane someone's on fire misty and ty then try to open the door and jackie's like waking up shauna damn those volumes were good if they could knock you out through a freaking plane crash shauna stops to try to help van but jackie because i mean there is like a crazy fire they do a great job with the effects here so it is high stakes and you're like, you, you may need to go. But you also know they absolutely should save Van. But anyway, Jackie pulls out Shauna and they do that. Awesome. All the, mu- all the sound shuts off. It's super slow-mo as Shauna looks around 
at the carnage. Still, it's very much giving lost. Still very much giving lost. I feel like this is very much inspired by lost. Not mad at it. Just, it's just so similar. But then Ty is like looking for Van. Misty's looking for Coach Scott. The pilots are dead. It is captivating how they captured this crash. I'm telling you, watching this again, I'm like, God, no wonder I was so into this damn show. But Coach is stuck under a piece of the plane. And when they freaking pull that piece of plane off of his leg, the makeup and the effects in the show are so amazing. His leg looks like it's goo. It's, oh my God, it's so gross. As they're all looking at it, Van pops out with her face all burned. She's like, hey guys, remember me? Jackie's like, well, Sean is happy, but Jackie's like, oops, <laughs> this isn't going to be good. Misty then goes and gets a fucking axe and chops off Coach's leg. Okay. And then she, the blood gets in her face. She chops blood splatters in her face. And then she start, she takes her belt off and she ties it like a tourniquet. And everyone watching is like, how are you doing this? Like, this is all very abnormal. We we are not, we, this should all be extremely scary and crazy and we don't know what to do. But here is Misty knowing exactly what to do. Then they go to Misty on her modern day date where Christina Ricci is just so flawless as this character. She just became her. I bet that wig helped a lot. It's also funny too because the real, the actress who plays teen Misty is also stunning. So both of these stunning women are playing this ugly girl. And I'm like, okay. But they're in real life, when they when they do like red carpets, just like, oh my God, stunning faces. But she's on this date and it's clearly not going well. And the server comes over and is like, another round? And she's like, yes. And he says, no. And then he tries to be like, uh, I, I have really, really early meeting in the morning and she's like, it's six o'clock. And then she goes, I also thought you said you got fired. <laughs> so because he gets busted, he just stays out of pity. And Misty's like, yay. But anyway, back to the plane crash. Misty is going around like the full expert that she is on this shit. She's walking around. She's telling everybody how to do all this crazy medical stuff, tying tourniquets all over the place. And someone's like, how the hell are you doing this? She's like, I took the Red Cross babysitter training class twice. Did they have that? I mean, brilliant. If they did, it makes sense. You're watching kids. So Misty says, she because Coach is still just bleeding out of his leg. Misty's like, we need to disinfect it. Maybe something from the bar cart? And Lottie goes, no, there was just sodas on there. Maybe somebody brought contraband. And they all look at Natalie. <laughs> and Natalie's like, oh, okay, yeah, everyone look at me. I mean, I did, I did, I, I did, but I don't know where it is in my bag. So then Van, though, she's looking through things and she finds me. She's like, what about this? And Jackie's like, that's mine. And then realizes how fucking ridiculous she sounds. She's like, oh, oops. I get that they're kind of intentionally making Jackie a bit unlikable because Shauna has had sex with her boyfriend and Shauna's clearly the protagonist you know, it's an ensemble cast, but Shauna feels to me like the protagonist. And 
they couldn't make Jackie so likable. Like she gave her this bracelet and she's like, you're my best friend. And so it's like, Shauna's a bitch. She just slept with her man. So they, they are, they're making Jackie a bit like of a spoiled brat. And that's working. That's very much working. Misty uses the, oh, she uses the witch hazel, hazel and coach and he wakes up screaming and he's like, how bad is it? How bad is my leg? Oh, Ty does not tell him. Ty's like, right, Misty? It's fine. But, and Misty's like, we need to tell him. And Ty's like, oh, are you so excited to tell him that you chopped off his leg? Imagine, I chopped it off with an axe. Your leg was going to just be gone anyway, so I just took an axe. I just chopped it. Blood got in my face. We're cool, but I saved your life. Modern day Shauna is driving around. She calls Callie to pull the chuck out of the freezer. And Callie, this is actually so me. My mom would call me to do shit like this. The most basic of things. And Callie's like, what does it even look like? And she's like, it's in the freezer. It's a piece of meat. And I, t- I would have totally done that. Like, okay, well, I don't know what. And honestly, I probably did it wrong. My mom would come home and be like, this isn't what I wanted. I'm like, sorry. So Shauna, in her just annoyance, she takes her eyes off the road and she gets into a car accident. And I thought this was so interesting as a choice. Very smart. Um, obviously, if you rear end someone, it's your fault. No matter, no matter how you slice it. But her, her vibe right away is, you idiot who fucking stops like out of nowhere, you asshole. But he is somehow very charming and he does not mind that she is doing this, being a total bitch. He thinks it's sexy. You can tell he thinks it's sexy. So he says, don't worry, we don't need to get insurance involved. And then they exchange numbers. So interesting that he was so turned on. This will play a part later. But it's like you get in a, you get rear-ended by somebody and then you get out of the car and they're like, you asshole. And you're just like, ooh, she's fucking hot. I got to stop cussing. I got to – I need to put like a dollar every time I cut. I cuss too much. I've, I've decided I need to work on that. They exchange numbers in a very like sexy way because they write it on each other's arms. And then it's smash cut to couples therapy. And the therapist is asking, how's the sex? And they're like, well, you know, we've been, this is Shauna and Jeff. They're like, well, we've been, we've been busy. You know, he's like, yeah, I've been, the, the data base, the data systems have been a mess. I've been working late. And the therapist has this phrase, marriage lives up here, pointing to the heart and dies down there. Cool. I mean, probably not incorrect, but their homework is to share a fantasy with each other. And Shauna's like, no. And he's like, okay. Modern day Misty gets dropped off by her date. And she's like, oh my God, I can't believe my car wouldn't start. It's just one of those things, I guess. So weird. And then she like lingers. And then she goes, did you want to come inside? And he's like, uh. And she goes, oh, I see. It's because you think I'm ugly. He's like, no, no, not at all. She's like, if you thought I was pretty, you would come inside. Cut to him walking inside with her. But in there is Natalie. Juliet Lewis, you're just the shit. I love her so much. God damn it, I'm cussing again. She is so perfect. Misty flips the light on and there is Natalie with a shotgun. And the guy's like, okay, I'm I'm out. I'm going to leave now. And Natalie goes, hey, Misty, you crazy fucking bitch. <laughs> Amazing. 
And Natalie shows her the postcard that has wish you were here on the front, with like the wilderness. And then on the back is that symbol, that mysterious symbol. And Misty's like, what does it mean? And Natalie goes, you tell me. And with the gun to her head, Misty is not phased. She just walks to the freezer and she's like, see, I have one too. So boom. And she's like, who's next on your suspect list? And then she starts offering all these non-alcoholic beverages because I'm sure she knows that Natalie was just in rehab. And Nat goes, I'm going to need something stronger than that. Smash cut to Natalie drinking a shot of whiskey and a beer. So rehab is going great. But Misty is a part of one of those like online crime solver groups, which totally tracks, right, for this character. And she busts out this book of evidence that she's gathered. And Misty's theory is it's that Jessica Roberts reporter person. Natalie is shocked, though, because as she looks through, she sees that she found Travis. So something's there. Something's going on there. But then a guy walks up. Who, there's like a vibe with him. And he's like, Natalie. She's like, Hi. And then Misty's like, oh, my God, hi. And he's like, oh, hi. I'm." And she's like, Kevin, hi. It's Misty Crigley from Third, Span- Third Period Spanish. <laughs> God. Kevin leaves his card and says, if you want to get a drink, Natalie, give me a call. And she's got a vibe. She's got a vibe to him. Misty says, if someone told me that goth freak Kevin would grow up to look like that. And Natalie goes, yeah. It's like, wasn't that your friend? Was my friend. So now we've got like small town history. Natalie comes back. <laughs> like, this is so good. Natalie then walks off with Travis's info and Misty swipes the detective's card that was left there. Back to the plane crash. Natalie goes up to Travis and is like, Javi is looking for your dad. And Travis says... He was helping one of you idiots put on a mask, and he fell out of the plane. And Natalie's like, all right, well, you should still help your brother. And Travis is like, maybe you should mind your business. I'm like, ugh, I hate Travis. God. Modern day ties. Stunning. This actress is absolutely stunning. She walks in. She's late for dinner. More of that, like, oh, you in the working constantly. But Ty's wife says that their son is having a hard time making friends. And she's she's all concerned. But Ty's like, oh, whatever. I wasn't very popular either. But then she's like, okay, wait, do you really think there's something to worry about? And then they play this like creepy, it's like, it's the music they play with like the creepy whisper voices as they do a shot of the sun like just turning his head very eerily. So they're real. I forgot how much they played into something being wrong, like with him, some mysterious thing that clearly Ty gave him. You know, this all the mystery. I'm o- I'm okay with all this mystery in the beginning. I'm okay with it. Like keep us guessing. That's totally fine. But the fact that after season two, we're still like, what is it? What is the thing? What's what does it want? Is this just in Lottie's head? Huh? Like that's not cool. We should have had a little more. And if it's and if it's just an essence or something, then that's really disappointing. Oh my god, this scene where Shauna and Jeff have their have their sexy time. And he's like, you know, it might be hot if you pretend to maybe be a customer. 
and she she's like, oh, well, like I'm gonna like I'm coming in to buy, and then he's just like, never mind. She goes, okay, no, let's try it. And the awkwardness of it, she's a she's a comedian. She's really funny, and so she start she doesn't know like what voice to use, and she does she does she's what is she New New Zealand Australian, but she does a British accent as an American. Isn't that interesting? Like, how did you do that's that's some control right there. So Jeff's like, I'll start, I'll start. She's like, okay, yeah. And then she goes, I'm here to make a return. And he goes, why would you be returning something? He's all, he's all pissed at her choice. <laughs> so it doesn't work out. But then he sees the number on her arm and asks what happened. And then he gets all mad that she didn't say she was in a car accident. And then they don't do so well. He's like, I'm going to go jerk off and watch Sports Center." So things are really looking down for this couple. Back at the plane crash, Jackie tells, she's like, oh my God, Van hates me. But for the record, I was trying to save you. And she was, right? Which also is kind of even worse because Shauna's currently, unbeknownst to us, pregnant with her boyfriend's, well, Jackie's boyfriend's baby. The religious one, Laura Lee, she goes, she finds her teddy bear in her bag. She's all happy. And then blood is dropping on her. And it's the coach dead in a tree. Ja- Jackie suggests they throw things at him. And Van is like, oh, you're just full of good ideas. You're on fire today. Oh, wait, that's supposed to be me, right? Yeah. Yeah, bitch. Travis then like climbs the tree and Misty's smart. She makes this net in case they fall and he breaks the branch off. And his dad falls to the ground. Oh, my God. They do the best makeup on this. Then there's this shot that's from what seems to be like the POV of some mysterious wood person. And it's like they're they're like watching them, right? That's what it feels like from this. The This is what to me this is saying, that there's a thing. There's people watching them. And then it's the tree has that same symbol from the postcard on it. So, you know, as we're piecing it together, we're like, oh, are there like people there that, you know, they're going to have to like join? But then modern day Ty looks at the postcard. She's got the postcard, the postcard too. And Ty goes in and she's reading to her son and he's definitely giving weird energy. And then she starts to do these like shadow puppets. And then the shape of one of her shadows makes her flash to wolves. So you're like, oh my God, Ty's giving the boy something. And then she opens the curtains and sees all the freaky art that he's made. And she's like, why did you do this? And he says, oh, it's so, it gives me chills. So she can't see me. Who? The lady in the tree. She watches me at night. And Ty's like, Sammy. And then he goes, Sammy, Sammy. Oh, I, I can't even do it. It gives me chills doing it. Ooh, my hair's just stood up. It's creepy. Then modern day Shauna gets a call from an unknown number, and it's the guy that she hit with her car. And he's like, look, you know, I'll fix your car if we uh, go out to dinner. And she's like, I can't. And he goes, I just thought you seem like someone who doesn't play by the rules. And he says, and she goes, what does that mean? He goes, nothing. Enjoy your minivan. So it's really just driving it home. And so Shauna, she looks at the chuck defrosting, not she has, she's the one who had to pull it out. And then she sees in her garden a rabbit, another rabbit eating her plants. 
smash cut to her chopping the head off, skinning it, and then pulling out its insides. They show it. They show it. And that also, this is like, it's just great, different TV. It's It kind of gives Dexter energy. I never even really watched all of Dexter or anything like that, but I just know that when I would watch it, it was just like kind of beautiful gore, you know? So they cut to Natalie, modern day Natalie. She is pantsless and drunk in her hotel room and she drunk, drunk dials, hello, Travis's number and he picks up and she's like, Travis, in long pause, he goes, I'm sorry, I think you have the wrong number. <sighs> Brutal. Then they cut over to a shot of Shauna's family dinner, and it's a shot of like the stew that they're eating. And you're like, oh no, they're eating the fucking rabbit. And so Jeff's like, this chili is delicious. New recipe. So she tells them, I killed a rabbit in the garden. I skinned it from anus to head. And they're like, oh my God, mom, you're weird. She's like, okay. So then back to the plane crash. They play that awesome song, Give Me a Reason by, who is that? Whatever. Lottie finds her medication and takes it desperately. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot this bitch needs medication. And they are in an emergency. And it made me realize like, oh my God, is that why she was like all fucking clairvoyant and shit? And was this all just in her head? Dude, now I'm like watching it again with the lens of the second season and I'm like, wait a minute. So just because she didn't take her damn medication, she becomes a guru and they all follow her like, oh, damn. And the rest of the girls are all sitting around and Shauna says that the plane must have an emergency transmitter. Someone will be here tomorrow. So someone tells Ty, looks like you did Allie a big favor by breaking her leg. I mean, she's not wrong. Modern day Shauna and Jeff, though, she walks up behind him and starts doing the customer bit, and she is all into it. She's like a different person post-rabbit slaughter. She's like, I'm alive. And then at the plane crash, they're all around the fire, and some much-needed levity is, is, is brought to the, to the equation. Laura Lee, the religious one, she's like, it's my fault. I was mad at my piano teacher, and I called her a bad name. I mean, in my head, but, and they're like, what did you call her? And she's like, a cunt. And they all, let it lets them break out in some much needed laughter. And they cut over to Misty. This actress is just giving face right here. This actress is very good. And she's like, loving it. Like, she's like, oh my God, we're all friends. And then Lottie confesses that she steals clothes from TJ Maxx and returns them. <laughs> She's like, I have thousands of dollars of T or thousands of TJ bucks. And they're all laughing. And now they start to like go around and confess things. And you see Misty, she's taken like an ax or something. I don't know. And she's burning it. Like she's heating it up. And she just mysteriously walks off. And then she goes over to the coach and says, your leg is gone. I chopped it off. I saved your life. He's like, What? But then back at the thing, Jackie asks Shauna, what about you, Shauna? Any big secrets that are big enough to crash a goddamn plane? <laughs> She's like, what? No, not me. But then they hear Coach scream, and it's Misty cauterizing his leg with the heated up axe thing. 
Jesus. Jeff and Shauna have gotten it on. So they're like post-hot sex. And he's like, you were just kidding about the rabbit thing, right? She's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and then Jeff showers and her his phone goes off and she checks it. And it's a text message from Bianca that says, tomorrow, usual place, 4 p.m. Don't be late. We all know that's not good. So then the girls are sleeping around the fire now. That's the plant. This is back in the teen plane crash days. And Misty, she goes off to go to the bathroom and overhears Van saying, We would be so completely fucked if she wasn't here. And Misty then spots. She loves it. She's like, Yes, I'm I'm needed. And she spots the emergency transmitter. Modern day Natalie, she is getting in her car. And it won't start. And up pulls Misty. Engine trouble. Misty's like, where are you going? What you doing? And Natalie's like, I was going to go up north. And Misty goes, to see Travis? Oh, but your car. Well, I I had errands to run, but I, I could take you up there if you wanted. It could be like a road trip. And Natalie says, fine, but she's driving. And then when she gets in the car, Misty hands her a coffee. And Natalie's like, wait, why did you get two? And she goes, I always get two of things that I can share, you know, like, so you're like, so you've totally fucked up her car. Like you made sure she couldn't start her car so that you could do this. You're crazy. Then that Wilson Phillips song, someday somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye, that song, uh, it starts and Teen Misty destroys the transmitter. It just, it's crazy that she's the one who destroys it. Like, I legit forgot this happened. And when I was watching the second season, it wasn't, a, there's a moment where she confesses it in the second season. But I was like, oh my God, that's right. You're the, you're the one. You're the one. Misty. Yeah, it's great. Great character development. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts still. I mean, obviously it's a plane crash. So it's like amazing and it's great. But also Shauna and Jeff watching them just one episode have a trans, have like a transformation because she knows how to skin an animal. Skin it. It's so jarring to see that. It's like, okay, what the fuck happened to these people? So I'm intrigued. Great storytelling, great pacing. The visuals too that they mean God, they it's like you really skinned a rabbit, didn't you? You and you pulled out its insides. You did that. Oh, it's so jarring, but so fucking good. I'm loving revisiting this. Speaking of revisiting and loving it, Succession, episode two. Let's get into it. What was crazy about this episode is this is when Logan's in the hospital and they're all figuring out what to do. And the parallels of this past season when Logan dies were crazy. I feel like they must have gone back and watched this and been like, let's basically do the same thing in terms of what the characters are doing and their choices. Because we open on Kendall rushing to the hospital and when he gets there, he's like, what's the situation? Excuse me? Is this the best part of the hospital? <laughs> and that's what he was doing. Remember when he wanted to call Frank? He wanted to talk to the pilots. And he's like, make sure they do it good. Do it right. You know, Kendall tries to flex like that. But even Roman does too. He's like, excuse me, doctor. Is this the best part of the hospital? Like, is this where you would take your father? <laughs> the doctor goes, the ICU is the ICU. <laughs> 
One thing, too, that I've noted about season one many times before, and I'll repeat it, is that season one is comedy. Almost every beat, every beat of the script is a joke, is just well-written, you know, not like crazy laugh out loud, but just intelligent, riddled with comedy. And then the, the doctor asks for some space and Roman goes, how about you don't worry about the feng shui and help our dad <laughs> worry about the medicine? <laughs> so they go in the other room and Kendall says, should we call mom? And Shiv's like, oh, no, she'll probably just make it about herself anyway. Who we've yet to meet. We haven't met her yet. A nurse comes out and Kendall tells her that the health the socioeconomic health of multiple continents is dependent on his well-being. <laughs> Kendall asks them what happened, and Roman's like, Shiv kind of started hardballing dad, and she's like, fuck you, a brain hemorrhage doesn't come from a conversation, you asshole. And then Tom's like, then they start guessing, like, who said, did, did they say hemorrhage? Is that what they said? They said hemorrhage? And then Tom's like, it could be an aneurysm. Tom doesn't know where he fits in. Kendall's like, who's the top dog at the hospital? Connor's contribution is he goes, has dad ever talked to you guys about cryogenics? <laughs> that he like keeps pleading the case for cryogenics. And Kendall's like, you're obsessed with cryogenics and you're an idiot. And he's like, I'm just saying, I talked to dad about it. Dad and I talked about it. Gray calls his mom. And he's like, he's just calling his mom for advice. He's he's like, I don't know if I have a job or if I don't. I only have $20 left. And his mom is like, I'm not sending you any more money. Make sure you have a job. Which is so crazy because Logan is literally in the hospital. Like, that's going to be his number one priority is to make sure he has a job. But then Shiv comes up and she's like, do you have any cash for the vending machine? And she takes it to get something from the vending machine. And he's like, I just got mugged by Shiv. Jerry and Carl burst into the waiting area and they're like, Kendall, we need to talk. And so they, they do this real fun paced walk and talk. And they're like, we have an office set up. It's not a war room yet, but it can be if we need one. And literally, it's like they open the door and it's an office being set up. And there are board members standing by on the phone and Jerry just starts it. And Kendall, and they're just talking about how, like we're going to need to figure out who's taking over, what's happening. And Kendall's like, guys, guys, I'm focusing on my dad, okay? But Jerry says the optics of what happened yesterday aren't good, meaning like Logan saying you're not going to get the job and et cetera. And Kendall goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And Jerry goes, sure. And for me, that's like the first time you really get like, oh, Jerry's down. Jerry speaks the lingo. She fucking knows where all the bodies are buried and how to bury them. She probably buried them herself. He, Kendall also didn't know that Logan had fired Frank and promoted Roman. And Kendall's like, okay, I'm sorry, guys, I just can't get into this. And Carl goes, no, of course, you are in no fit state. And then Kendall realizes like, oh, shit, if I don't step up, I lose the power. And great acting by Jeremy Strong as he realizes it and has to shift gears. So then he pitches that Logan was just talking. There was nothing on paper. No one, nothing was signed. And, you know, words are just complicated airflow. Great line. And Kendall won't speak a word of it. And that works for Jerry and Carl, meaning the day before, like the changing of the guards. 
Jerry's like, can you get the family behind it? And Kendall goes, oh, yeah. And basically, this is like the crux of the show. Kendall wanting the power and trying to convince them that he should have the power and them fighting for the power. Roman then pulls Shiv into this massive, like, classroom auditorium thing and pitches that they all sign the trust as, like, a nice thing to do for dad when he wakes up. And Shiv doesn't want to. And Roman goes, so for the record, you are declining to sign on the change of trust. And she's like, no, I'm just not declining. And Roman tries to guilt her and say, because like she doesn't want to make Marsha the one who would obviously be in charge. And Rome says, I mean, you did make her husband's brain explode. So Shiv pushes him. Roman slaps her. And then they get into the funniest fight. The funniest, like the physical comedy. Like they were really fighting. It was really funny. And then Tom walks in and he's like, oh, never mind. And just walks out. So then Greg is in the waiting room and he's got, he's been tasked to figure out if he does have a job. So he's like, he doesn't deserve this. He's a great man. He let me come to his birthday lunch and he offered me a job, right? And then Marsha's like, can you go get his slippers and bed things from the apartment? He's like, yeah, totally. And she's just like, I need to get rid of this kid. He's driving me crazy. But Roman stops him on his way out and asks Greg if he can get the papers in an env- in the envelope. And Greg's trying to get more details. He's like, it's just the papers in an envelope. Okay, okay, I'm done. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Roman looks through Twitter to see what they're saying about Logan. And he's all pissed at the bad reviews. And he's like, we, can we like screen grab this or like report them and shit? And Jess is like, okay, yeah. Jess is the best. Like, Jess will do it all. Jess does everything. Okay, she's she just says okay to every ridiculous thing that comes out of Kendall's mouth, Roman's mouth. Like, okay, she's gonna screenshot the tweets. What is that gonna do? It's just, but she does it. She is a she's dutiful. She gets it done. Willa comes to the hospital, and everyone's kind of weird about it, so we don't quite understand it yet. But then Kendall presents the plan to Shiv and Roman, and he says the plan is that me and Frank take over. And Roman's like, ah, Frank was fired. And she's, she's, (laughs) Shiv says she's not talking about this shit. She's like, if he dies, if our dad dies, I do not want to be talking about that, about this shit when he dies. And Roman says he's not going to die. And isn't that so paralleled with what ends up happening when he does die? And Roman doesn't want to believe he's dead. Remember? Like, it's, the parallels are so amazing. Greg gets to the apartment, but he doesn't have money for the cab. <laughs> and so the door guy comes out and he's like, can I help you? And he's like, I was here earlier. I was kind of assaulted because the, the Colin like pushed him up against the wall. And the doorman's like, I don't know who you are, dude. Sorry. So Greg tells the cab driver, he's like, okay, so he doesn't have the money. He's not going to give me the money, but like he owes you your money. You You better give him the money, dude. And then thank God Marsha calls and they smash cut to Greg and Logan's apartment. He grabs those envelopes right away. They're right at the front. But then Tom brings Marsha. She's standing next to Logan and he brings her coffee and he's being all weird. And kind of like, you can tell he's got an agenda. And his agenda is he says he had wanted to be, he goes, the weird thing for me is I've been intending to talk to Logan and make a proposal a very decent proposal to Shiv. 
And Marsha goes, you need to find the right time for these conversations. And Tom's like, oh, yes, yes, of course. Um, do you think he would appreciate if I asked him, you know, now? Meaning, like, should I talk to Can you be the witness to me talking to Logan, asking for, for, for his permission? No? Okay. Then they get the results from the doctor. And it's just three spoiled brats who are used who should not have the power that they do but they they have it and so the doctor's like it's not something we can operate on at a, with the man of his age like it's just not safe and shiv's like okay well we're going to transfer him over to the doctor that i found at nyu and marcia shuts it the fuck down and suddenly she goes from what we were i was perceiving to be this kind loving person she just goes, I am his next of kin. I am his proxy. I am in charge. Thank you. And the acting is so good that you're like, okay, this bitch is actually scarier than all of them. Like, she's done some stuff. Okay? Her story, I can tell. We can feel it. Kendall meets Frank on the street. And I love this walk and talk on the streets of New York City. I love it. And Kendall pitches it, but Frank... He's not coming back because he was fired. And then Kendall's like, okay, but fuck that. And he goes, actually, no, I don't want to be chairman. I am an attendant lord here to swell a scene or two. But he tells Kendall, you can do it, son. I believe in you. And so I'm like, I love Frank. Hey, Frank. Frank's just been put, he had to put up with Roman being a total prick in LA, but he believes in Kendall. And I'm like, Frank, you, you rock. Shiv calls Greg, and Greg is eating a sandwich on a bed. <laughs> and so she's like, did you get those papers? And he's like, yes, I have the papers. And she goes, oh, I think you got the wrong ones. And he's like, D are you sure? No, I don't. Like, these are not. <laughs> he's all panicked. And he she's trying to say in a roundabout way not to bring them, but Greg does not get that. And so Greg is like, okay, so what's the chain of command here? Are you the more senior sibling? <laughs> They've moved now that they now that Logan's no longer in the ICU, they've moved him to this like luxurious VIP suite with nice lighting, like lamp lighting and like wood paneling and beautiful chairs. It's like, Jesus, this exists in hospitals. And Kendall comes in and he tells Roman and Shiv what the plan is. And Roman is like, We're not talking about this. But if we were, it would not be you. Dad made me COO. And Kendall's like, oh, yeah, dad wasn't thinking straight. You as chief operating officer, that's proof that he was loco for Coco. I like that, loco for Coco. Roman and Shiv are like, no, no, they do not want to, they do not want to talk about this. But Kendall says that they have to. There's the FEC, there are laws. And Shiv's like, oh, okay. And Roman's like, ooh, we don't want to break the law. So Shiv thinks she's being a little badass. And she opens the door and asks Carolina who is just an incredible character, incredibly written to have this, like, like I never even thought, who's the person that does the press for these people? And it's, it's Carolina. And Shiv's like, so, you know, has there ever been a CEO that's just been, like, out of commission for a little while? And she's like, no. But Shiv's like, yeah, but, like, what if we were to, you know, drag our feet on this a little bit? 
and Carolina is pretty good. She's like, I we would like to get something out to the shareholders. I know that's a thing you don't really get, Shiv, but I can finesse it. And Shiv's even like, we this could be the flu. We don't know what this is. I mean, and she just she's she's coming off like a very unintelligent, uninformed businesswoman in this scenario. So I am now like at least watching it. I'm like, she doesn't know. She, why am I still rooting for Kendall? I'm fully rooting for Kendall. I'm like, Kendall is the guy. You got to give it to him. I don't know why. It's just where I'm at. Meanwhile, Greg is still at the freaking apartment and he has called his mom. and He's asking her what he should do with the papers. And he goes, I guess Roman is in the company, but Shiv seems like more bossy. <laughs> and his mom's like, can you just bring some of the papers? <laughs> this is good writing. Greg's like, and I don't know what slippers, they're all plaid. Does checked mean plaid? <laughs> and his mom's like, you need to strategize, Greg. And he's like, I'm trying to strategize with you, mom, but you won't strategize. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Kendall, this is such an interesting scene because, honestly, when I first watched it, I did not <laughs> I didn't get it. I'm so stupid sometimes. Kendall calls Lawrence, the tech guy who he's already had many words with. And he goes, listen, you're not to say anything, okay? You don't say a word. I own you. Simon says, mum's the word, motherfucker. And they hang up. And immediately Lawrence makes a call and says, let's put something together about the Roy family shit show. And actually, I'm realizing it's not a tech company, is it? Is it a news article? Is it is is Vulture supposed to be like Vulture? Huh. I'm saying tech this whole time. They just say words I don't really get. Everything feels like tech to me. If it's a lot of numbers, I'm like, sure, there's probably tech involved. So don't listen to me about that. But then I watching it now, I'm like, oh, this was Kendall's plan. Idiot. Emily. He called him to piss him off knowing that he couldn't say like, well, Kendall called me to say, you know, say this. But Kendall's like, no, I can't do that. So instead he's called him to say, don't do this knowing he would. And so I'm like, Kendall's a genius. Kendall's a fucking little genius, you know? But Shiv talks to Roman about telling Kendall it's just not going to be him. And Roman's like, yeah, like, it could be me. And you're like, oh, shit, Roman wants it. And then she goes, what about Tom? Then they look out and pick from the one sitting in the room, and they decide on Jerry. So Roman goes and talks to Jerry. <laughs> And Jerry's like making a little coffee and he's like, so, you know, how you, how you doing? She goes, oh, this is where they brought Baird. So it's a little, and he's like, who? She goes, my husband, Shiv's godfather. <laughs> and Roman's like, oh yeah, Baird, how is he? He's dead. Roman's like, yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> So Roman pitches that she take over and Jerry declines. And Roman says, can I ask you why you don't want the job? And Jerry says, the job that makes your brain explode. <laughs> Jerry's the shit. Immediately you like Jerry. You're like, she gets it. She's down. She's the real gangster here. So Kendall, now it's all making sense. I can't believe I didn't follow this when I first watched it. But Kendall sees the Valter piece and immediately takes it to the group. And it's like, do you see this? We need to get ahead of it. But before that, he sees Willa is in there and he's like, Willa, can we have the room? And then he looks over to Tom as if he wants Tom to leave too. And Tom goes, oh, come on. I'm not the same as her. Still not sure what she does exactly. 
or why why she's so, you know, odd for the group. But Kendall shows the article and Shiv's like, we can just ignore it. And Kendall says he is the obvious choice. And Tom graciously offers to step up from regional parks and run North America. And Kendall goes, fuck off, Tom. And Shiv goes, fuck you, Kendall. Don't talk to Tom like that. And it's funny because when we see the the election night, when he's like, Tom, you fucking watch it. Because Tom's being a dick to Shiv. Love it. Love. Shiv says that the one thing they know for sure, and this is accurate, is that Logan didn't want Kendall. She's like, that's one thing we are sure of. He didn't want you. And Kendall says, no, just not not now. Like, maybe taking longer. And Roman says, that's what he told you. But what he meant was he wished mom gave birth to a can opener because at least then it would be useful. And Shiv's like, Rome, he's like, too too far, too much. Then Kendall tries to pull. He's like, I don't even need your backing. And they're like, uh, yeah, you do. Then he goes, Shiv, what do you have against me? And Shiv's like, oh, you want me to actually say? You lack killer instinct. You're wet. You're green. You're intellectually insecure. You're not emotionally strong enough. And you have addiction issues. And he's like, okay, okay. She's like, I, I don't think all that. I'm just trying to be dad's voice. Girl, you meant it. Connor, then Connor goes, we all know I would be the better CEO. That goes unsaid. Kendall's like, it's not unsaid if you say it. <laughs> he goes, no, I'm not saying it. So it remains unsaid. <laughs> Tom then says Shiv could do it. But Kendall's like, she has no experience in the company and the markets would freak. And Shiv's like, we're just saying we have options. Well, then Roman calls Greg and he's like, you're still there? Okay, but anyway, bring a sweater. Bring a sweater that my dad has worn. I want the scent of it. Sniff it, he says. Sniff it, you'll know. And Greg's like, oh, that's actually really sweet. That's really cool. And understands like why he's asking for it. And he goes, yeah, okay, I'll sniff some stuff for you and I'll uh, bring it over. And Roman says, and don't forget to bring those papers. <laughs> Just further, <laughs> further torturing Greg. And then Greg knocks over. He's like looking at one of the art pieces on the table. And he accidentally knocks it over. And it it brings in one of the one of the house helpers. I don't even I don't want to call them a maid, but you know what I'm trying to say. And he goes, I apologize if my bell summoned you. Fucking give it to be like, what did you do? <laughs> he thinks he thinks she just came to the sound of a bell. It's ridiculous. Rava comes to the hospital and it's 4 a.m. and they have a sweet moment where you're like, oh, how sad. Like he lost someone he loved tremendously. And then they give each other a hug and Kendall gets a boner. I forgot how much like sexual tension they still had going between Rava and Kendall. And I'm really glad that they dropped it. I'm glad that they didn't make this like a back and forth thing because Rava, you could tell she's cool. And she's like, no, I'm not playing this shit with you. Okay, buddy. Tom then proposes to Shiv in the hallway. Total disaster. What are you doing? Tom would. But Tom's logic is that he thought it would balance out the day. But then after Shiv basically makes him feel like shit, she's like, but just so you know. Yeah, whatever. And he gets so excited so freaking excited. Greg finally comes back and he brings the slippers and Marsha's just like, can you go put them in the other room? And then Tom goes, so you got the slippers. I guess that makes you Prince Charming. And Greg's all like, yeah. He goes, I guess so. And then Tom goes, so you want to fuck Marsha? 
you just said it. You just said you're Prince Charming. And Greg is all freaked out. He's like, I'm joking. And Greg finds finds the beat. And he goes, did you know that uh, he gave me a job? And Tom goes, what job? And Greg goes, I don't know. Maybe they said something about me. And Tom goes, oh, yeah. Everyone has only been talking about you, cousin Greg. Classic line. Classic line. But then Tom softens and he goes, all right, look, when you figure everything out, come in and see me. I'll look after you. And thus begins the start of a very beautiful relationship. Kendall is in the hallway and he waits for Roman and he like corners Roman. He goes, look, what if both of us do it? Like we both, you know, we take over. And that is perfect, the perfect move because Roman just wants to be in charge as well. And if he pulls him in with him, then yeah, sure. And But Roman goes, you said I wasn't serious. And Kendall goes, sorry, it's been a long day. But you and me, bro, I could teach you. And then he goes, and you could teach me. And he has to, clearly he has to present this like it's an equal thing. But you know, you could just tell Kendall thinks Roman's an idiot. And then Roman asks about Shiv. And Kendall pitches, you know, they're the ones with the nuts to revolutionize. We're the ones, you know, Shiv, no, it's us. And then Roman goes, the thing is, Jerry just turned down the job. So what does that tell you? And Kendall goes, who asked Jerry? And Roman's like, it was broached. And Kendall goes, you did. You broached her. And Roman goes, don't pin the broaching on me, okay? Everyone was broaching. Connor comes into the waiting room later and Willa's there. And he just starts like kissing Willa. And Roman's like, okay, stop. But then Kendall comes in and tells them the plan. And he's like, so I asked Roman, you know, what would he think about me and him? And Shiv goes, what did you say? And Roman's like, I said I wouldn't be upset about that. And Shiv's like, snake. He's like, I know, I'm just playing mediator. Di- the dynamics, just so perfect. Like what would Trump Roman wanting to be mad at Kendall with Shiv is him getting offered the position as well. You know, but Shiv says no. And Connor says no. Hard no. He has previously described himself as uh, the the white helmets, meaning no violence whatsoever. Just he's like, I'm an observer. But instead, he's like, "Uh, no, even I'm saying no. So they look out and they're like, "Okay, who about? And I I love this. I didn't realize it. Uh, I didn't catch it the first time I watched. But Shiv suggests she's like, what about a American psycho? What's his name? Carl. (laughs) <laughs> Carl would be like a fucking psycho. You could just tell Carl is a psycho. Kendall says that they risk Carl making his power permanent, basically. Like he could get into control and then we can't get it back. And do you really want to tell dad that his family run company isn't run by family anymore? So Kendall says they need a statement by 630. So you just have to think really who dad would prefer. Then Greg, Greg finally brings the sweater to Roman and then he's he acts like he forgot the papers when Roman asks and Shiv gives him a little look like, well done, thank you. And Greg is so happy. He's like, I did it. I did it. So the siblings, they go in. They tell Jerry, we're cool. We're cool with this arrangement with Kendall and Roman. And C- Jerry and Carl do like, the, they're like, they go and they shake their hands like, congratulations, congratulations. And then immediately... Greg's, uh, Jerry says, all right, Kendall, uh, can I talk to you? And then they do this on the roof overlooking the city. Such a gorgeous shot. Stunning shot. 
perfect time of day. And she says, there's a huge debt problem, $3 billion. And Kendall's like, what? Where the hell? And Jerry and Frank are the only other people who know besides Logan. She says in 1985, Logan needed cash badly for the expansion into parks, so he took out a loan through the family holding company. He knew that besides Frank, none of the other board members could see what's happening. And then he added that loan to the company's already considerable debt. And Kendall goes into like problem-solving mode. He's like, we can deal. And Jerry says, the thing is, it's secured against Waystar stock. And when the stock hits 130, they can pursue payment in full. And Kendall's like, well, they would never do that. And she goes, well, the thing is, the banks know that the man they invested in can no longer function. And as far as they're concerned, you're just some kid with nice hair. And Kendall goes, you're making it quite fucking difficult to savor this moment, Jerry. And Jerry just goes, sorry about that. Don't jump. She's down. Jerry is down. The doctor tells the siblings that now would be a good time to get some sleep because he's stable. And so they do one by one a a shot of like how these siblings would say goodnight or whatever to their father. And Roman is, you know, sweet and Shiv is sweet. Connor's really sweet. And Kendall just stands at the end of the bed and stares at him. That's it was a lot. And the theme music starts, the the, the aggressive piano, and it plays over all of them sleeping in their various places. Greg is in the chapel. Shiv and and Kendall, they're all sleeping in the cars on their way home. And Marsha is by his bedside. And the very last shot is Logan opening his eyes. Oh, just... If If the writers of this show taught one of those masterclasses, I think I would have to take it. How do they come up with this brilliance? So fucking good. All right, well, that wraps up rewatch number two. I'm working on lining up some very fun guests coming up. Um, if you have any suggestions and you know if your favorite content creator also watches Succession, shoot me a DM. Let me know. Okay? All right, guys. Love you. Mean it. See you next time. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to She Speaks It All, a podcast from the creator and host of She Speaks Bravo in partnership with Cloud10 Media. Make sure you are following She Speaks It All pod on Instagram and TikTok. And of course, make sure you are subscribed or following this podcast. Hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. And if you want to support me, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash she speaks bravo and buy me a coffee or two or five. Thanks, you guys. See you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.